Hey everybody and welcome to the latest episode of American Citizens. My name is Gray. I'm here with Josh. Hello, Josh. What up? And we are here to recap the last long, strange week or so um, in which City have once again failed to take three points in any fixture. Um, first, we know that we're, we're, we're late. Um, it's been a long week. It's been a busy week, but we are late. But we will talk a bit about the Chelsea game, our thoughts on the Chelsea game. Um, and we will also cover City's 1-1 draw with Celtic in the Champions League. Um, so basically, what, what we're going to do here is start at the beginning. And really, all I have to say about the Chelsea game can be um, condensed into a small rant, if you will indulge me. Uh, I am always happy to indulge you in a small rant on this team, mostly because I feel like I'm going to have several small rants of my own. Very good. So, what I will get, what I will do is I will get this out of the way early. Namely, basically, I thought the performance in the first half was good enough to win. That's you know, we're crossing a low bar here, but that's where I'm at with that. They got a little bit better in the second half. They were pressing well. They had the lead, and then it just all, all falls apart. The defense on this team is not good enough. And Nicholas Otamendi, um, who I'm pretty sure Pep would drive to the airport right now if he could, because, you know, as soon as they get someone in who's better than he is, he is out the door, whether he likes it or not. Once again, he does not know when to stay on his feet or when not to dive in. It ruins the positional, uh, the strict positional needs of the team when he does things like this. He was directly at fault for the first goal, and then after that, they just capitulated again. And the the frust, and you know, you can talk about Bravo being out of position. You can talk about Otsmani, but the frustrating part is once again just capitulation. And I think that is best summed up at the end. When two players who should know way better get themselves involved in some nonsense that's going to cost them, you know, it didn't matter for the game. The game was over. But that is going to cost two players who are important to this team in Sergio Aguero and Fernandinho a month when they can't afford to do that. They should know better, and I was frankly disgusted by it. And that shouldn't happen. The refereeing was bad. I get it. I'll let them have that. But there is no excuse for getting yourself involved in stuff like that. Um, in a game like that, when you have a month ahead coming up, a busy month, December, with all the festive, festive fixtures, you cannot do that. And I was just, I, I, it frustrates me to no end to see that. So basically, you know, I thought the performance was good until it wasn't. I didn't think there was anything really wrong tactically. I thought, you know, I, I saw the team and I actually hated it, but I don't think that they, that the performance came about because of poor tactics or anything like that. It was just more stupidity and more, you know, lack of discipline at the end. And you wonder what that says about the mentality. Are they feeling pressure? Or are they just frustrated? I don't know. But it drove me nuts, to be honest with you. I expect better. It's the sort of stuff that I expect from a Mourinho team that's about to lose to the 15th place team and they lose their cool and let that get the best of them and then we laugh at them on the internet. 
That is not what's supposed to happen here. They need to be more disciplined than that. And they need to be smarter. And they, the defense just is not up to par. And that's really all I have to say about that. Because I don't want to dwell. It's been over almost a week now. It's, everyone has said their piece on this. But I just don't feel like it's worth it to dwell on it. But that can't happen. A lot of that can't happen. So that's... What? This is what I was talking about when we did our last podcast in that I don't know how City are going to be playing, but it doesn't feel like they're much better than a Manuel Pellegrini team last year. Like, there may be point differentials here and there, and there may be games that they gutted out, but you know what, man? Manuel Pellegrini's teams did that too. I could point out several games where... You could say, oh, Pellegrini's team gutted it out and got it done. Look at what they did last year in the Champions League. That is the definition of gutting it out and getting it done, especially against PSG. So Pellegrini's teams could get it done, but Guardiola was brought in because he was the best in the world. Now, you look at the current placement of Bayern Munich and how well they're doing, and you can clearly see that, oh, it's not just quite as simple as replacing Pep. But you look at Manchester City, and, and you think, this team looks doesn't even look like it's being coached by Pep Guardiola. It's like, there's a life model decoy of, of if you read Marvel Comics, there's an LMD of Pep Guardiola along the sides, uh, but it's not actually him. It's just some other guy. I, I don't know how to explain what's going on with this team. Um, it's not even so much that they lost to Chelsea. I think we even agreed before the match even happened yeah. that it could go one way or the next, and I don't you would be surprised. I don't have any huge problem with the result. and Even the performance, you know, there's issues that I have with it, but I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, oh, oh. That's, not, that's not where I'm at. So the result well, doesn't really... I don't want to say it doesn't bother me, but it's, it's not something that came as a shock to me. No, it definitely didn't. And the part that pisses me off the most about it is that now moving forward, City are going to be without several key players for a multitude of games. Primarily, their best striker, who usually finds a way to sit himself down because of injury, but this year he's managing to do it because of just flat-out stupidity. And a guy who's been basically a cog in that, the biggest cog in that midfield in Fernandinho. Um, yeah. These guys are playing like the Rams, dude. It's just... It's undisciplined football that doesn't look like it's going anywhere. It doesn't look like it's uh, threatening in any manner. And uh, I'm not entirely sure that teams look at City in any capacity and say, man, this is Manchester City. We better get up for it. Yeah. I don't think they do. It, it, it doesn't they, – they, do, they don't feel intimidating right now. Is, is I guess the way I would put it. it. It's when you when you look at the way Chelsea are playing, they feel intimidating. Um, 
when you look to a certain degree the way Liverpool have played, and I know they have blown their fair share of results and dropped their fair share of points, but you look at them and you think, boy, they're going to be difficult to stop. Um, you know, City, I don't, they, they're not scoring very free that, at all. And the chance creation, you know, the, 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 the thing about the Chelsea game is Kevin De Bruyne, another very good player who, you know, misses a chance from two, two yards out, hits the post. So that would have made it 2 nothing, And you wonder if the result is very different if that goes in. And, and you think, you know, what do you say to that? You know, you create a chance like that. You tee it up to a player who's supposed to be finishing those in his sleep. And it doesn't happen. Uh, you know, it's... That's, that's very, it's very frustrating. Because you do tend to think that, you know, oh, gee, maybe if they go 2-0 up there, um, you know... Who knows? Maybe they still capitulate, but the game feels different if they do. I think, and there's no dispute in that. Um, and it's just you, you tee it up, you do it perfectly, and it's just miss. They miss, and I don't know. They they have gone through stretches where they create so few chances that it feels even worse when they miss the golden opportunities that they do create. Yeah, and that's been the problem for Manchester City all year long, is that they don't capitalize on any of the opportunities that they have that one would think a team of this caliber should be able to cash in on, whether it's been sitters that they've missed. Um, I mean, look, dude, that ball from Zabaleta to Kelechi Iheanacho, that's probably the most beautiful damn thing. That that link up from Gundogan to Zabaleta to Ianacho was quite possibly some of the most brilliant play I've seen out of City all year long. And it's those and moments. Kelechi, and yeah. Kelechi Ianacho, who's normally a reliable finisher, takes that ball and parks it, you know, in the left field bleachers. And you're like... Do you need to be gifted something on a platter right in front of goal to be? But I mean, and they you're were. a striker. <laughs> Even when they are, it does. It's just like, uh, it, and it's those moments, the build-up play in those moments that makes you think they can't, it's in there, you know, for, in fleeting moments. And then you know they miss the chance anyway. But it's just. There's a certain tantalizingness, I guess, about it that I don't even know if that's a word, but there's a certain tantalizing aspect of it that you you see a, a passage of play like that and you think, you know, I know it's too much to ask them to do that on every counterattack, but why can't we do that more often? It's, that's the way it's supposed to happen. Yeah, I don't, I just, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I, I don't know how to explain this team in any capacity. There, there's not much quality. Look, I, I, I've been saying this. Right now, what we've got as far as attacking midfielder Sands De Bruyne, it's just not good enough. It's just not good enough. I've been saying for a year that I think David Silva needs to go. And I mean that. I do think he does. Um, I don't think he fits in with the system. The work rate from him is just not there. It's never been there, and he's constantly a liability. Um, I honestly wouldn't be bothered if City cashed in on Aguero at this point. Um, I, I I think Aguero is at the apex of what he is. I truly do. Um, I thought maybe Guardiola would get more out of him, 
but I've not even seen shades of Aguero improving under Guardiola. I've seen regression, and I'm not blaming that on Guardiola in the slightest. Uh, I I think it was either last podcast or the podcast before where I mentioned Kaká. He just had a natural decline right around this time. Sometimes it just happens. There's there's no way to know with a professional footballer when your time at being great is up. Um, and for me, it just looks like the years that Aguero has put on his body are finally starting to catch up with him. Um, I think it took – that's why it took him a while to earn Pep Guardiola's trust, and I'm not sure he completely has it. I'll tell you what, dude. I would not at all be shocked if moving forward, Iannaccio and Gabriel Jesus got a lot more opportunities than people – would other normal would would normally otherwise think with Aguero on the team? I'm going <clears> to <throat> skip ahead because I have a point on this, and I think this is okay. a good place to bring it up because I, I asked with Aguero about to be banned for four Premier League matches. Does that mean that Kalechi Iheanacho has a chance to really stake a claim for some significant playing time, even going into January and beyond? Yeah, I think so. And the beautiful thing about coming into January is that he'll qualify for the B squad. So he won't count against City in the Champions League, uh, which will allow them to, you know, sign somebody like a Gabriel Jesus or or bring on Iaia Toure if they opt to leave off of any company. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's he's going to get the the run for December. We know that much. He's they're going to throw him in there. And he did score against Celtic, which is another game that we're going to get to, but you know, I think there's no other alternative and I think that if he performs well, he can really give Guardiola something to think about. Um and cuz I I think we can both agree whether or not we we disagree on whether Aguero's, you know, the extents of Aguero's future at City, we can both agree that he hasn't really fit into the system so far, and he has not yet been able to come to grips with what is being demanded of him. Iheanacho seems to be closer to being able to do that at the moment. So I think in December, there's a real opportunity for him. He's going to get four matches to show what he can do. And if he takes full advantage of those opportunities, especially given the, the finishing and the lack of cutting edge that this team has offered for quite a while now you know it feels like a broken record we've been repeating ourselves on these podcasts for weeks now with the, with the same issues if Ian Acho can display sort of an antidote to that even if it's just him then yeah I think he has a real opportunity to give Guardiola something to think about going forward yeah, and I think that was going to come anyway, and I think that that's part of the reason I asked you in the previous podcast if you thought that that's why Iheanacho was getting some of those spot starts then. Um, look, <laughs> Aguero, uh, uh, excuse me, Guardiola has only been the type of guy, has always been the type of guy who will get rid of people and, that just, you know, stun people. Why would he get rid of him? But for Guardiola, it's more about the system than the player. And as great as Aguero or Hart might be, if they don't fit the system, then they're going to hold the whole team back. So 
City are at this juncture where they need to figure out whether or not uh, moving forward, excuse me, Aguero, if it's into their plans. Because the important thing to remember here is that uh, a deal has supposedly already been signed, but it's Aguero that doesn't want it announced. Why? I didn't know that that was, I knew that they had a deal. I didn't know why they weren't announcing it. I haven't heard anything either way on that, or I hadn't. Um, so let me ask you this. What would you do coming into December knowing that you had Jesus and uh, Iannaccio that were going to be available on a, uh, uh, for more events moving forward? I mean, I think it ultimately depends on what, what we see in December of, out of Iannaccio. And I'm also disinclined to just throw Gabriel Jesus out into the fire and be like, welcome to this new country and this new league that you have never, ever experienced before. Have at it. Um, as, as a 19-year-old, mind you. I'm not inclined to do that either. I think, ultimately, what I do going forward is dependent on whether Kalechi Iheanacho shows that he is at least a better fit at the moment up front. And if he does, then, you know, how's the saying go? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, you know, if 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 it doesn't look broken during December, then I'm disinclined to start changing it up again. So that's kind of where I stand at the moment on that. Fair enough. Fair enough. But let's move on. What else we got? Let's let's talk about. yeah, that's, that's about all that I had to say on the Chelsea game. So we can talk about... Well, we had a listener question that I don't want to ignore. Um, Ultimate Herald asks us, does the fight happen with competent refereeing early on? Um, probably not, because David Luiz is off the pitch. Um, I don't want to excuse what happened at the end of that game, but Anthony Taylor was terrible. Um, it wasn't why they lost. It wasn't why two of their players got sent off, but... That was that was just the lack of discipline and the, and the total stupidity on their part. But no, yeah, I think it doesn't happen if we're talking about competent refereeing. Um, so that's that's Chelsea, I suppose, which leads us to the other game this week, which is uh, the one-one draw against Celtic on Tuesday. Can we really draw much of anything from it? as a performance which looked like the dead rubber that it was and if yeah. so if so yeah. what can you draw yeah well here's what i think you can draw city still have the same problems that they have um uh <clears throat> no matter where you look at this teams there's holes there's weaknesses there's undelivered promise Leroy Sané hasn't really turned into anything i've i've been vastly underwhelmed by sane so far now of course you've got to give a guy time to settle in and hopefully he gets better moving forward yeah. but when you look I, at how also, easily some of the other yeah. guys have slotted in i i just uh, i, didn't I don't think know he was the weak link against chelsea i thought there I were think... like five or six other problems that were far more dire than his well sure stupidity was. was the weak link against chelsea I thought you know. he I thought he held his own is what as I'll put it. He didn't stand out, but I thought he held his own. And that's you know Right. Um for better or worse. But uh I I I also 
and as much as I hate to say this, I also think that City have a huge problem at the goalkeeper's spot because this experiment with Bravo is not working. The shot stopping, the positioning uh, on the second goal against Chelsea was obviously not good enough. Um, but, but what is it beyond that? Because I know that it's not just one isolated incident that makes you think that way. Um, well, th- there's, there's not necessarily a single isolated incident that makes me feel that way. It's right, just that's that what like, I mean. Uh, it, yeah, oh, okay. It's, it, for me, when you look at these guys, it's, it's blunder after blunder after blunder. And, and dare I even say there's been moments when Willie looked the better person uh, in net. Now, um, I'm not sure what City are to do about that. You know, uh, I think that's something that obviously has to uh, be addressed moving forward. But what I learned about those games <laughs> is that Willie Caballero seems to want it more at this point in his life. Whether or not it's because Willie isn't sure if he'll ever play at a high level again, this is a guy who, when he gets his opportunities, he does seem to try and do his damn best. And with Bravo, it always feels to me like he's stuck up inside his head. Okay. Yeah, it's... You look at it sometimes, and he just sort of seems to lose the plot at times and just make these mistakes that that don't really make sense. Like, we, we talk about the positioning on the Chelsea goal or his debut against United or his red card in, at, against Barcelona. And you, you just look at it and you think, you know, one incident, okay, that's fine, you know, whatever. We, we, we wrote it off the first time. Okay, first game, tough game, whatever. Second incident, um, okay, you know, I don't know what he was thinking, but and it happens a third time, and you're like, that is three huge games that, that have come with three very high-profile mistakes. And you have to wonder a little bit what on earth is going on. I don't think he's the biggest problem, but I don't understand why, you know, it's, it's, not necess- it's not even the system. You accept that there will be mistakes in the system like that, um, but it, those aren't system mistakes, is what I would say. No, these are mistakes that Bravo's making on his own. These are unassured mistakes. These are mistakes by a guy second-guessing himself. Should I come out and punch that ball away? Should I come out and grab that ball? Uh, Should I come out and challenge the striker while my defense is trying to catch up? These are all situations in which Bravo puts himself. And uh, for me... I think it feels like he's just doing too much. Like maybe if he settled down, he could do more. Do you think he's trying too hard, trying to impress too much? Yeah. Well, I think he knows he has to because that's the demand on Manchester City. But what I would say to Bravo if I were talking to him is this. I would say, Brody, take a look around you. Take a look at the performance of every single one of your teammates. 
Now, do an honest evaluation of those performances and tell me truthfully, do you feel like every single one of these things are your fault and therefore the weight of the world needs to be on your shoulders? And hopefully, Claudio, because he seems like a smart guy, would be like, wow, yeah, you know what, maybe you're right. I'm trying to overcompensate for everybody else's mistakes. Sometimes you just need to go down doing the job that you were hired to do. Uh, you may go down. It, it may not work out the way you want it to work out. But if you go down doing the job you were meant to do rather than chasing after everybody else's mistakes, there's not much that's going to be said about you. You take a look at David Carr. <laughs> Nobody ever says that David Carr was a really awful quarterback. The general consensus for David Carr is that he had no frickin' protection at any point during his NFL career. And by the time he landed on a team that could give him NFL protection, they had already drafted a guy who would go on to win two Super Bowls in Eli Manning. So he was never really going to get any quality time. That, that same parallel kind of exists. I just I think Bravo is doing too much. I think he needs to take a step back and survey the situation. And I think he needs to realize that his job is to distribute and be the first line of offense. Play with defensive integrity, but put yourself in a position to be the first line of the offense. And right now, he's not even in the position to be the last line of the defense. Yeah. Um, do, do you have concerns about his shot stopping? I, I, Absolutely, but I think okay. it's more to do with the height. Okay. It's something I mentioned on that other show. I just think unless he absolutely guesses the right way and guesses it like five seconds before the guy shoots it, he's too short to cover up the ground. <clears throat> I think you can get away with that in La Liga. Everybody's a bit more diminutive. Um and, It's a less uh, physical league. There's no dispute. Well, that. you can see through people. You know, yeah, I mean, you can, the game's a little bit more open. You can tend to see more of the pitch, and I'm sure it makes it easier for a guy like Bravo. Not to mention, as much as people knocked Barca's defense, like, I can think of any number of coaches that would have given their left testicle to have even half of Barca's defenders. Like, you mean I can have Alves and Alba? Okay. You know, or, oh, I get Umtiti. Well, I guess Umtiti wouldn't have counted, but, you know, I, I mean, they they have defenders there, man. You know, Gerard Piquet, they've got these guys that can do this stuff. They may not be on point all the time, but they have the ability to defend and and uh, Bravo probably didn't actually have to do a whole hell of a lot of that um, like he does for City. <laughs> it, it 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 feels like. No, I think you're right. Yeah, um, 
that seems to be a trend here is that this is not La Liga. It seems to keep coming up. Um, some players transition easier than others. Uh, I, 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 I agree. Like I said, I don't think that he, he's the, the number one problem. And I think he's talented. Um, but I can see where you're coming from with the living inside his head thing. It's just these the rash decisions trying to do too much. Um, and I suppose when you're, when you're brought in to replace a guy who is regarded very highly by the club supporters with the specific earmark of we sign you because you know how to play the way that we want to play. Um, and then he's like, is, is, I guess his, his response is to go out and do too much of that. To try, try to play too hard, basically. Well, this is the way we play. Well, I can really play this way. And it's, I don't, you know, I don't think it's like a conscious effort to upstage anyone or anything like that, but um, or to, to show off or anything like that. But yeah, I think there's an element of trying to do too much that has never really got gone away. And I don't think it's a coincidence that these mistakes are happening in the biggest games either, for that reason. Nah, nor do I. I uh. I just don't have a whole hell of a lot of faith in this Manchester City team this year. Um, I, as it stands right now, it kind of feels like Guardiola's, like, like I'm not sure City are going to win anything with Guardiola. In three years? Maybe, maybe, or this year? Uh, no, I think that maybe in the third year, sure, they could win a couple things, but I don't think the hall was going to be what fans thought it was. I just don't think City have the talent. I don't think they're going to win the league this year. Uh, I, 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 they've already been knocked out of one cup competition. Um, <clears throat> they may or may not hang around in the FA Cup. I don't know. Um, I certainly, I will have to find out. What is it? Friday, tomorrow, we'll find out the draw. Um, for the Champions League? Yeah. It's Monday. Monday, okay. Depending on how that goes down, um, you know, I don't, I bet, man, I didn't see City getting past the first round. Knockout stages, so. It's, it's, see, the, the thing is, is, is it talents or is it something else? Is it certain positions that lack enough talents? I, you know... I'm loath. Pep Guardiola just didn't bring in enough. Pep Guardiola looked at the team and just didn't bring in enough players. It's it's as simple as that. Manchester City wasted a lot of time bringing in guys for the future, and some of those guys, as we know how this system works out, a lot of them are just going to eventually end up being sold on. Like how many you know, is it? there's like seven expiring contracts at the end of the season. And how many useless strikers have City brought in? Like, you know, you've got Falpola, you've got Ennis Unal, you've got Kalechi Iannaccio, Sergio Aguero, now you've got Gabriel Jesus. What are you gonna do with all these guys, bro? Like, when you're gonna play with, you know, basically a, a a four six. <laughs> well, I can tell you four, that zero six. Just yeah. play with six strikers and just like see what happens. And now they're being linked to Alexis Sanchez again. 
I wouldn't mind that because I don't see Sanchez as a striker. I don't I either. see Sanchez as a creator. It's it's kind of what they need at this point, isn't it? Um, yeah, Silva's not doing it. Um, yeah. So I, I that one I I, I get. He's kind of so he's, he's a he's a creator who can score goals. Sanchez at this point, dude. Yeah. I mean, you're and and the links to Obama Yang are not not going to go away until he and ends up signing with someone else. I want him. Like, I would happily say to Dortmund, look, here's Sergio Aguero. Let's give us Obama Yang. Aguero's not signing for Dortmund. Why wouldn't you sign for Dortmund? What's wrong with Dortmund? Well, the problem is, I think, ultimately, Obama Yang and Real Madrid have very mutual interest. Yeah, but Real Madrid can't do anything. That's true. I guess... I guess that's one that's going to have to play out because I don't know. I, do I think they City might go back in for him? Yes, I do. I I also I you know I have mutual interest in Elizabeth, <laughs> in, in Elizabeth Henstridge, but uh, you know I don't think it's going to happen. Very fair. Um, probably a pointless thing to say because she would have to have it in return but <laughs> yeah no I, I look I, I think that Obama Yang's probably going to be a guy that does end up signing with with one of the premier Spanish clubs I would <clears throat> love to see him at City I would love to see him in a system like Guardiola's because I I think that he could excel and open things up for a number of other people. Um, if if there were one signing out there above all else that I would covet, it is Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. I think that if Manchester City could get Aubameyang and and then sort out the midfield position because Pep's the midfield whisperer. If he can sort that out, I truly think that City have a, just an extraordinarily unstoppable team. Because you look at a guy like Obama Yang that you can just free up on a break and just, you know, play one of those balls like Gundogan did. But instead of 31-year-old Pablo Zabaleta running it down on his dead-ass legs, which, by the way... Even if his legs are dead, that was still a hell of a ball to Ianacho that he should have put in the net. Physical physical attributes are temporary, class is permanent. Right. And and but if if you have Obama Yang at the end of that catching that ball going down the wing, imagine what he could have done with it moving forward. He probably could have taken one cut, blown past everybody and then put him and Ianacho in a situation for a simple, what I like to call gimme goal in FIFA, which is where you're coming down one side of the box, you triangle that bitch straight across, and your homeboy taps it straight in for an empty net goal. It's the easiest goal in the world to get in FIFA. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. Still don't have enough of those, and they should. That's how Barca scored so often. That's how Bayern scored so often. It was like you could just put a ball across the general face of the goal and somebody would pounce on it and punch it in. With City, nobody's in the box trying to put it into the net. I have noticed that. And I will, I, I will say there's, there's, 
there's a lack of it does piss me off too and there's sort of a lack of aggression that leads to the next point which i want to make which you're free to agree or disagree with me the two things that i think city are really lacking in attack are one is pace and two there's this sort of lack of directness in 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 the attack de bruyne is can be a direct player um, Navas is a pacey player, but the rest of his attributes have a tendency to let him down at times. But you look at Silva, Silva's never been a direct player. Um, and, and, and the rest of these guys, you know, Sterling... I wouldn't qual- qual- qualify Aguero as a direct player. Yeah, I wouldn't either. He, but... liked, he likes to drift about outside of the box and just sort of drift into it. Um, Sterling is still sort of in a primordial state, I guess, where he hasn't really grab that necessarily by by the hilt either so i think that's severely lacking in in their attack and i think it has shown time and time again because like you said so many balls have been delivered into the box that are good balls that just don't have anyone on the end of them nobody and that's why i'm looking at a guy like obama yang and you mentioned those you know those two things and obama yang has both has both yeah. spades like these are the types of players that should why do i keep saying that <laughs> that city should be getting um it, it's just i don't know i i i i think that when city set out to do this the plan was as far as getting guardiola in and then hoping that he could fix it but if he's going to do that it's going to take time i think what's probably shocked me the most about this season has been the lack of of youth that's uh you know played in in some way shape or form a major role i've i've been very disappointed with that um Especially when you look at the fullbacks as they are. Yeah, I, I don't know. Well, even at the center back position with Tosin, and now look, he got exposed several several times against Celtic. Man, I mean, he was having his troubles, and it's sort of a baptism by fire for him. But look, these guys aren't going to get better. You, look, why instead of playing him against Celtic, why didn't you play him? You know two weeks prior against a team like Crystal Palace or something. You know, it's just, it's it's curious to me. It, I, I don't know what to make of a lot of these lineups. Yeah, well, I'm just mostly tired of watching Nicholas Otamendi make these mistakes that need to not be made. So, I would, I would be open to, uh, to the youth factor, I will say that. Let's, let's talk about um, I wanted to bring this up um, since he played and scored. Um, having seen Patrick Roberts play for Celtic, obviously he's a City player on loan. Um, what did you make of him? Do you, do you think that he can? He's a guy who can come back and contribute next season. Yeah, I do actually. I think that his game um, against Manchester City in the Champions League did more than just accomplish what you said. I think in many ways it, it it sort of opens the door for him to play a much bigger role. I think this is a guy that as time has gone on with Celtic, City have themselves a player. 
And honestly, right now, I would rate Patrick Roberts higher than Leroy Sané. Um, I wouldn't quite put him above Nolito simply because of what Nolito offers via tactics. But if you gave me a choice of playing Patrick Roberts or Leroy Sané, I'm probably going to say play Patrick Roberts. What about you? I don't know. I mean, I don't like to, to make, you know, broad proclamations based on a guy looking good in one game. It's like, you know, the, the YouTube player. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, how everyone can put together a highlight reel for basically any player on the world on YouTube that makes him look like a 50 million pound player. That said, you know, I, he, as far as I know, he has performed well for Celtic this season. Not just in, in this competition, but overall. I mean, obviously, you have to take into account the level of competition. Um, I do understand the uh, that that Sane hasn't shown much. So for 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 me, I I wouldn't have a problem playing Patrick Roberts at this level. Um, but I I think that overall, as far as I know, he's been performing very well. He's been impressing, and to, you know, scoring a Champions League game—that's never something to sneeze at. So, I, I was pleased to a certain extent to see something like that happen. And I would definitely be interested in having him in the mix come next season. Um, particularly when you have some guys who are probably going to be leaving. Um, so, I think there, there might just be an opening for him. Yeah, I was going through and I was looking at Patrick Roberts' stats and, you know, who scored as him is in the Premiership. Um, it's made, uh, I believe, was it six appearances with five starts, has two goals uh, in the Champions League. He's had four appearances, two starts, played a total of 234 minutes and scored uh, against City obviously was his his one goal um but uh by extension let's check out leroy jenkins i as prob there's probably a case that one of them has played more than the other two sure sure i'm just looking at impact I, I leroy like sane for all that he's put in in the Champions League is really not that much further along. Now, in the Premier League, he's averaging about a 6.56 on 315 minutes. Um, Roberts is... Yeah, I they don't have his total minutes on... Uh, on the premiership, even though he's had those appearances. Um, but uh, just going by UEFA Champions League, he's got 234 minutes that he's played for a total of 644 rating. Leroy Sane has played a total of 101 minutes with a 6.78 rating. That is a worthless sample size, but when you're looking at the two players, they're not exactly that far apart in terms of their overall development and their <clears throat> ratings um, in their past couple of games. Uh, in fact, in the same game, Patrick Roberts had a 7.27 rating compared to Leroy Sané's uh, 6.8 when they went head-to-head. -head. 
And against Barcelona, uh, he had a rating of 6.18. Let's see here. Mr. Sané did not get to play against Barcelona, but he did against Borussia Mönchengladbach. And his who scored rating there was about a 6.76 versus uh, uh, Roberts, which was 6.37. So give and take on both of these guys. But I just think based on what I've seen, you know, they talk about that stupid eye test. The eye test. The eye test. The eye test says to me that I think Patrick Roberts can have a longer future at Manchester City. That's quite the statement. I am quite the man, if you will. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but I can see where you would put him developing ahead of Sané at the moment. Um, so to wrap this up, there's a game this weekend. Um, and that game is at Leicester, who have not won a Premier League game since October 22nd. Um since then they've had a series of draws and defeats they did beat club bruges in the champions league but they're coming off a five group yeah they did win their group they're coming off a five nil plastering against fc porto and in the premier league they lost at sunderland last time out so this is clearly not a team in form to say the least that said neither is city so what are we dealing with here oh a team that counterattacks versus a team that likes to press high and gives up goals quite frequently on the counterattack. Um, I think maybe a 1-1-2-2 draw. I was also I going just, to go with a draw. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I I don't have any faith in City at this point. I'm I'm not seeing I'm not seeing what what I thought I was going to see with this team, and it might be the personnel. I've not given up hope. I'm not pessimistic. Um, I just look at this team as it's currently constructed, and I genuinely genuinely believe that Pep is getting the best out of them. Yeah, um, I, I it, it's, it's just who they are. Yeah, I I'm gonna go with the draw. Um, it just feels like one of those games, <laughs> to, to, to use that term, even though it doesn't really mean anything, just one of those games where no one really takes it, takes hold of it, and does anything about it. Um, I'll go 1-1, because that fits into how both teams have been playing lately. Um, I'm, yeah. I'll be I'll be looking to see something from Ihinacho. That's who my eyes will be on if I had to pick one player, because I expect and assume that he'll be playing. Yeah, I uh, I do also assume that he will be playing, and I think I saw some responses to uh, Jesus with some further explanations and that the soonest he will be able to play is at the start of the new transfer window. So fans will get zero reprieve during the month of December. It's going to end up being Iannato or bust. And, um, I, I, I'd like to see him do more. The, I, 
you know, maybe it's it's simply because he did so well last year where he basically seized every single opportunity that he had. I mean, <laughs> I still remember the game, Pellegrini says, go on and get us a goal. And with the first touch, that's, that's exactly what he did. Um, you know, it's really hard in your follow-up season to look as good when those are the types of moments you were having the year prior. And that's not on Iannaccio. Like, Iannaccio is still plenty good. Those are just magical moments. He's right there. He's still shown he's capable of doing yeah. all that. It was, it's just, his, his strike rate was basically unsustainable last season. Exactly. It was a stat that could not be kept up. It was like Joe DiMaggio's, you know, hit streak. Eventually, it was going to end. It just could not be kept up. So <clears throat> the only where for for Iannaccio to go was this year was down. That's that's it. I mean, I guess he could have gone up, but I don't know that that's ever happened in the history of sport. He would literally have to score with basically every touch of the ball. Um, but when I have seen him in games this year, there have been plenty of times that he has looked a little bit more disinterested than he has in years past. Uh, there have been times when he doesn't make the same runs. He's not making the same, uh, uh, I don't know, showings, same intensive showings that he was when he, uh, when he was playing under Pellegrini. So I'd like to see him step up a bit more. I'd like to see him do a little bit more, maybe create a little bit more, and stop falling into that same trap that Aguero tends to, where you drift off to the side and become a winger, or basically come up to the halfway point to, to receive a ball. Like, look, dude, if you're up there, then who's in the box? <clears throat> so, hopefully you, those are the things you, that we yeah. get out of. Do you think there's something of, like, too much comfort there? Because last year, not only did he have to battle with Aguero for playing time, but he also had to deal with Manuel Pellegrini's frustrating and incomprehensible insistence on keeping Wilfred Bonnie ahead of him in the pecking order until, like, literally the last couple months of the season. Um, that's not really so much the case this year. He has been sort of more afforded the chance without really having to... I don't want to say he hasn't had to work for it, but I don't think he's had to change as many minds this season. No, he certainly hasn't had to change as many minds, although he's drifting into that point where he might start having to change them again. Especially with who's arriving in January. Yeah, because Gabriel Jesus has a strike rate that is just as phenomenal, except he seems to do it on a bit more consistent basis for club and country. And <clears throat> no offense to the Nigerian Super Eagles, uh, but when you are placed in a position uh, with the Brazilian national team and the expectation for you is to score and score a lot, and you do, the amount of weight on the shoulders of the player in either situation is so vastly different. 
I could not even begin to describe. You know, Brazil is Brazil. And Brazil had been crap. Like, let's just straight be honest, man. Brazil has been crap. I mean, from what we know of Brazil, for how good Brazil can be on the international stage, this is just an abysmal downturn for them until this past Olympics. And then you look at the new group of youth that they brought up in with Gabby Goal and most importantly, Gabriel Jesus being such a huge part of. And when you watched those guys play with Neymar, it was a thing of beauty. And it was the Brazil that you were used to seeing. And you're, you're looking at Gabriel Jesus saying, okay, I see why Pep Guardiola wanted this guy. I can see exactly what he's going to do with him. And if he can get the players up front to provide those types of services and flicks, then Gabriel Jesus is going to be able to do quite a bit with it. I would be curious to see if uh, <clears throat> if uh, Jesus's arrival might mean a shift in position for Ianacho. Well, I think that I th I, th I think that it's easier to shift Gabriel Jesus outside than it would be to shift Ianacho out. For Not while. true at all. Listen to Ianacho's own words. He plays yeah. out there for his own team. In fact, he said he grew up playing on the wing. Does that mean he's the best there? I don't know. We don't know. Exactly. It's it's like uh, you could say you know player. Well, I can do that, but you know a lot of players will make themselves available to do a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily, I don't think, mean that they excel at them. I don't. I I, I think that having the pace of somebody like Ianacho along the wing. With, uh, you know, maybe a Sané or a Sterling. I, you know, there are a lot of creative opportunities. But I'll tell you what. This is what I know. There are way too many horses and not enough stables. Good way of putting it. Um, so, yeah. I guess so. Yeah. I don't really have anything to add to that. So. No. Lots, lots of interesting things coming up, for better or worse. Yes, and at the same time, it's going to be kind of exciting because yeah, in a certain way. Well, I think that when the January transfer window hits here, I think that there's going to be some changes. I do. I'm not saying that the you know he's going to get rid of a whole bunch of people or anything like that, but I would not at all be surprised if. In addition to Jesus coming in, they went out and got another midfielder and 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 one or two more defenders. I think they'll try, but as we well know, the January transfer window can be difficult to do things in. True, it can be, but if you're City and you're this much invested into the season already and you see it slipping away... I mean, there's no reason not to try. Kind of my so, thought process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Byron did. Oh, yeah. Byron were never content to rest on their laurels. So Pep Guardiola is not afraid to go out in the middle of the, you know. Pellegrini seemed like a guy who would be, oh, no, we have a good team, you know. We'll, maybe we'll bring in one person. Pep Guardiola looks at it and he's like, eh, we need this, this, and this. 
go get it. <clears throat> so hopefully it does end up happening to some degree, but uh, I, I, I'll tell you, <laughs> when, it, it's funny. When the season had yet to begin, I remember telling you, man, I just can't wait for it to get here. I just can't wait for it to get here. I just cannot wait for it to get here. And now I'm sitting here thinking, I cannot wait for the January transfer window. I cannot wait for the January transfer window. And in the event that that does not go well, you already know where this is going. I cannot wait until the 2017 transfer season. <laughs> it, um, this team is building a bedrock of talent that is going to sustain itself from, you know, 2017 and beyond. But I think fans may end up having to be a bit more patient than they'd originally thought. I think that would bear, be where we should end and could end the podcast. I would like to end just by saying that ISET called this a transitional season at the beginning of the season. Yeah. People were people didn't like hearing that, but no. that's the way it is. Nope, they expected win now. And um you know, kinda like kinda like Jeff Fisher. Um Pep Guardiola Jeff just Fisher needs... wins never though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. Well, Jeff Fisher was about to win the award of becoming the all-time losingest head coach ever. That's so, right. well, don't take that away from him, buddy. And 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 on that note, on on the note of Jeff Fisher being terrible, well. that's all for us. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at America Citizens. Uh, you can subscribe on iTunes to the podcast. We'll be back again after the weekend. Thanks for listening. Um, my name is Gray. For Josh, this has been the American Cities po- po- the American Citizens Podcast. We will talk to you again soon. Have a great weekend, everybody.